Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Have you given much thought to how well God knows you? To be honest, some days we are glad about that, and some days we might not be. The Lord knows what we are thinking, and He knows how we are living. He also knows the things we do for Him when nobody else is watching. Hopefully, knowing the Lord knows all this and that He is always with us motivates us to live for Him more and more each day. It also means the Lord's hand is upon His children, guiding and protecting us all. To learn more, let's join Pastor Jim in Psalm 139 for part two of his message, God Knows You. The Lord knows and has a special love for those who put their trust in him. So followers of Jesus should welcome his searching because it helps us grow deeper in him. Uh, Sure, people, some people try and hide from God, but if you know God, you know this. You can run, but you cannot hide. If you're new to the Bible or you don't know anything about this or you don't believe me, look at the table of contents for the book of Jonah. And Jonah is a whole book about you can run, but you cannot hide. So when you get to heaven, you say, Jonah, you learned it the hard way. Thanks. So we didn't have to learn it such the hard way. Some of us may have to. In other words, God has always known you and he always will. But notice David says, you've known me. You knew me in the past. You know me in the present. And you, as we'll see, you know me in the future because you know all things. But David's knowledge of God's omniscience, that he knows everything, is not dry theology. For a lot of people, a lot of the theological things that we learn become dry theology it's, it's, it's not at all, nor is, it, nor is it some mushy, well, Jesus loves me, which means that I can go out and live however I want, and he doesn't really care. No, his knowledge of, of God's omniscience is practical and purposeful. We might call it this. It is applied theology. It's theological. He knows it in his head that God knows everything, but it's also experiential. It's in his heart. It has, it's been a reality to him in his life. And that will help us to be faithful in pressure. Now you may have that bad reaction that we all get sometimes, you know, like blah, right? But then also like, wait a minute, wait a minute. God knows. He knows everything. It's going to be okay. Now, many people say, I don't like the conviction of sin. It makes me feel guilty. But it thrills David because he knows God will forgive him. And when, and you, when you know that God will forgive you, it will draw your affection to God. I've said this to you so many times before, and I'm not tired of saying it. And I know I haven't said it enough until I'm tired of saying it. And after I'm tired of saying it, I got to tell you another 10 or 20 or 100 times until you're tired of me saying it. But loved ones, please remember this. The Holy Spirit's conviction of your sin is a perfect God's invitation and call 
to deep and honest intimacy with him. I want to say that again. I don't want you to miss it because I know a lot of us, we live in the age of church. where We want everybody to think, you know, oh, we're so wonderful and we're so great. And deep down, we look in the mirror, we go, that ain't, that ain't the, that's not it. I know the preacher told me I'm so wonderful. I'm not so wonderful, God. I know it and you know it. The, the conviction of sin by the Spirit of God is a perfect God's invitation and call to a deep and honest intimacy with him. In other words, it is breaking the barrier. You confess your sin. The Bible tells us he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. If you're taking notes, you got to know that verse. In other words, the conviction of sin, confession to God and forgiveness of sins is one of the pathways to knowing the God who knows you the God who cares for you and the God who loves you. The Lord knows and the Lord sees. Sometimes we've been to a doctor and they've done all these tests and they just go, we just don't know what's wrong. But God knows what's wrong, whether it's physical or emotional or spiritual, he knows what's wrong. God knows your secret sorrows. He knows right now what's absolutely breaking your heart that maybe you've told no one else. He knows it and wants to talk with you about it. If you read your Bible in the morning and you don't have a box of tissues next to you, get one, get one. God knows your deepest regrets. Maybe you're getting older and you're thinking, man, I wish I had done things differently growing up. And God knows your deep regrets. God knows your failures. Times when you should have done something and you didn't do it or you thought this was going to work out and it didn't work out. He knows all about you and he still loves you. He still loves you. How does he love you? He loves you warts and all. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like the ugly troll that lives under the bridge. (laughs) And God came under that bridge and said, listen, you may feel like the ugly troll who lives under the bridge, but come on into the light because there are beautiful, precious things about you and 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 about you that I want to show you because you mean a lot to me. He says in verse two, the first half, he says, you know my sitting down and my rising up. You know when I sit down and you know when I stand up. God knows what you are going to do this afternoon. You may have great plans, but you don't know what's going to happen. A woman after the first service said she was in a car accident and she should have been killed this week, but she just got a little bit of a sore neck. God knows what you're going to do each and every day this week. God knows last week, the week before, and this coming week, how many times you're going to hit the snooze button. But more importantly, he knows why you're going to hit the snooze button. You say, oh, well, I hit the snooze button because I didn't get a good night's sleep. Or I went to bed late. But the real reason is you hit the snooze button a lot of times because you don't want to get out of bed. 
You're like, I don't want this day, man. There's just so much pain and heartache and trouble and responsibility and so much stuff I got to do. And I know I don't stand a chance of getting a billion things done in this day. Can I just roll over God and can you make it all go away and I can wake up tomorrow? Second half of the verse, he says, you understand my thoughts, my thought afar off. Another version says, you understand my thoughts from far away. The Lord knows all of your thoughts. He knows what motivates you. He knows what demotivates you. He knows why you and I do what we do. And, and what David is doing here, he is writing for all you teachers. You know this. He's using a writing tactic called a merism. We might call it from A to Z. So he's, he's taking from one extreme to the other, and we make the assumption that it includes everything in between. So he says, you know, you know everything about me. Sometimes people will say something like, you know, uh, I've searched from high to low. What does that mean? I've looked everywhere. If you're from Brooklyn, you say, yeah, and the whole nine yards. It means everything is included. So David says, you know, when I get up and you know, when I go to bed and you know, everything in between. In fact, God, you even know what's going on in my heart when I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm stressed. You know everything that's going on with my dreams. You know everything that's going on while I'm sleeping. Now, just a free advice for you husbands, no charge for this one. And I don't want to, I have to be politically correct. Back in the day, we used to call it a chick flick. I don't want to, I don't want to use that language anymore, but it's a chick flick, kind of. But there's a movie with Sandra Bullock called Why You're Sleeping right? It's not bad, guys, right? And your wife will think it's romantic and you'll get points, right? You'll, you'll make up for a lot of things. So anyway, no charge for that one. Somebody at the last service goes, you know, I'm going to go home and watch that movie. <laughs> David says, you know my private life. You know my public life. And sometimes they're not the same. Might, he knows as Sting sang, and that, he's still around, that guy, you know every move I make. At the end of the verse, he says, you even know what thoughts I will have. You know me through and through. King David is really telling the Lord, even when I'm far away from you, you are close to me. And I have learned that you will never let me go. And, and verse three expands and four expands on verse two. He says, you comprehend my path. Another version says, you observe my travels. Now, does that necessarily mean you know where I go? Could be, but it also could be this. You ever have a bad day? All right, do you ever have a good day? <laughs> when you're having a bad day and you're like, what an awful day. God's like, I know, I know, I know how it's going for you. He says, you comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Another version says, you're aware. Another version says, you're familiar with all my ways. He says, for there is not a word on my tongue. Or another version says, before there's a word on my tongue. But behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Now just think of that. Thoughts are words to God. What you think 
you might as well have said. Now, one of the things I tell young married men is if you want to, the people say, well, how did you, how did you live a, have a good, happy marriage? One, I always, one of the things I'll say is, here's one of the things you need to learn. That everything that comes into your head does not need to come out of your mouth. Got that? Like some guys go, well, I want to be my true self. I go, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. And the next morning when you realize you didn't say what you wanted to say, praise God from whom all blessings flow, <laughs> right? Now you know why I'm not in the worship team. So thank God for that. But our thoughts are our words. So thank God when he stops you from saying what you want to say. So once again, soul searching question now, have you given much thought to how well God really knows you? Now, I realize that may not be good news to some of you. Like, he knows everything I, ta- I, I think as if I had said it. And let's be honest. All of us wish that he didn't know some things, true or false. You're like, I wish he didn't know that. But it doesn't work that way. It's not that the Lord knows some things and doesn't know other things. That's what's amazing about Jesus. He never even had a sinful thought. Can you believe that? That's absolutely, that's amazing to me. David says, you know, all my ways. He says, you comprehend my path. Friend, you may leave God's path, but he's not leaving yours. He's with you. That's why sometimes, you know, you'll, I'll talk with people, particularly young men, and they'll tell me about a particular issue they're having. And I'm like, you know, God's sitting right there with you when you're looking at that. Do you really want him to be watching that with you? Week later, talk to them. How'd it go? This is a much better week. Really? Why? I ain't showing God that stuff. I'm not doing, no way, man. You see, the fact that God comprehends our path, knows everything about us, should motivate us to sin less. But it also should motivate us to worry less. But not live just to please people or to please ourselves, but to please God. God knows all we think, all we say, and all we do. He even knows the reasoning in our hearts. A lot of times we don't know why we do the things that we do. But he knows why we do the things that we do. He knows our motives. And one of the hardest things in life is, did you ever have anyone incorrectly question your motives? I mean, you do something and they read into why you do what you do. And and you're like, that is a hurtful thing when somebody does that to you. There's a guy who used to go here years ago. Now, if you're new here, you notice, sometimes if you're new, you don't need to come to me after the service because some people will say, you know, pastor, you forgot to receive the offering. We never take an offering. We receive an offering in church world. But we don't do that here. We got a box in the back. People give online. If the passage is about money, I preach it hard. Other than that, you know, we trust God that he's going to, you know, motivate his people to, to give by the grace of God. This guy comes up to me and he goes, I finally figured out why you don't take an offering here. I said, oh, I can't wait for this one. I didn't say that, but I thought it. And he goes, you just want people to feel guilty for not giving money. And inside I thought, you know, dude, I want to take an offering bag and shove it up your nose. (laughs) 
but I didn't. I was very pastoral. I said, well, if that's the way you feel, brother. <laughs> but, you know, people, they read into motivations. And that's something we need to be very careful of judging the motivations of others. On the same token, there's people who, who hide what they really want to say or what they really need to say. And you know who's some of the worst at that? Preachers. Preachers. I know a lot of preachers who go, I don't want to tell people the truth. I want people to like me. I'm like, aren't you afraid of God? I, 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 I mean, I want, I, want to, I want everybody to come back next week. I don't want to, so many guys say, I don't want to offend people. When the Bible says that the gospel is an offense to tell you that you're a sinner, that God knows everything in your, in your head, that you need him to save you from your sins is offensive to people. That doesn't mean we're offensive, but that is offensive. We need to tell people the truth in a kind and loving way. But people will always misconstrue us and our emotion and our motivations. That's just a fact of life. If we fast forward a, a thousand years, the apostle Paul, after Jesus has died on the cross, rose from the dead and ascended to heaven, he writes this to his problem child, Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians chapter four, verse three to five. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged or evaluated, some versions say, by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. Now, does he confess his sins? Of course he does. He says, for I know of nothing against myself. What is he saying to them? They were mad at him. And he's like, I, I don't really think I did anything wrong to you guys. I mean, no one's really made a case. Sometimes do you ever have anybody come up to you and go, I'm really mad at you. And you go, why? They go, and they can't even explain it. He says, yet I am not justified by this. Another version says, that's not what makes me innocent but he who judges me is the Lord or he who evaluates me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels or motives of the heart. Then each one prays, each one's praise will come from God. He said, God knows what's going on inside of me. You can say whatever you want about me. God knows. And if you're right, God knows. And if you're wrong, God knows. So be very, very careful in judging the motivations of people. Now, sometimes you have to, those of you who are bosses, you have to do sometimes job reviews. That is performance. That is not motivations. So if someone came in late to work every day, you couldn't say to them, well, you just don't care. You should say, I notice you're coming in late. Is, is there an issue? And they might be like, well, you know, my mother used to drive my kids to school, but she really she's, hasn't been well lately. And now I have to take the kids to school. And so I come in a few minutes late. Um, you see, we don't know what's going on in people's lives. I mean, you read that about, about what Paul writes, and it sounds like he's been reading King David that God really knows what's going on in my heart. Verse five, he says, you've hedged behind me and before me. In other words, you've encircled me and you've laid or you've placed your hand 
upon me. When I, when I read stuff like that, God's hand, I think of the potter molding the clay. I know that you're guarding me and I know that you're using this difficulty in my life to, to mold me into your image. On the one hand, no one can escape the observation of God. Yet for a follower of Jesus, those who, will, who have, Jesus said, repented and believed, turned to God and put their trust in him, he says, David says, your hand is always upon me. So if you're a follower of Jesus, God's hand is always upon you. So whether you take God surrounding you as positive or negative, I guess depends upon your relationship with God. You should want God's hand upon you. I don't know about you. I totally want God's hand upon me. I pray that, I pray that for myself. I pray that for all of you. I, especially praying it now as we start community groups. I'm like, God, let people be honest with certain things and fill other people in the group with compassion, encouragement, and wisdom to know what to say. And, and, and how it's important that we, when someone really shares their heart, we say this to them, thank you for sharing that. And then when you share that, you know, when, you, when you, you're vulnerable in front of a group of people and it, you're done talking and you feel like a complete idiot, you're like, I'm just going to go be the troll and live under the bridge. And someone just, just says, hey, man, thank you for sharing that with us. What a relief that brings to your heart. You know what you need to do then? If you're the person who opened it and was vulnerable, you need to send them a text and says, you know, I felt like such a dweeb as soon as I got done sharing my heart. And just you saying, thank you for sharing that meant the world to me. That's how you develop openness in a group. When people are sharing and they don't feel judged, they feel loved. They feel embraced. Because listen, I don't know all of you not, but I know a lot of you and you all got stuff. We all have stuff. And if you don't think you don't have stuff, you really got stuff. <laughs> it seems like King David is telling us that knowing what he knows about the Lord. He's in awe of God because he feels what? Safe and surrounded. Even though he has not always done the best things, he feels safe and surrounded. You, you may say right now, you may say, oh, I don't feel that way. That's okay. You know what that is? That when you, if you don't feel safe and surrounded by God, that is a merciful, loving God calling you back to himself. If you're not a follower of Jesus, that is a gracious, merciful, and loving God calling you to himself. I want you to feel safe and surrounded. Yeah, you got to do the things you got to do. But I want to pour into your life. If you know the story of King David, it is, it is one of the most interesting stories in the Bible. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who's from A to Z. I mean, you read the stuff that he does. I mean, he does some crazy bad stuff, really bad stuff. Commits adultery, kills the guy's, the woman's husband. I mean, just has some 
not good stuff. Doesn't react the way he should in certain situations. Let's people scot-free of crimes and stuff like that. He just does some really bad stuff. So on the one hand, you have that. And on the other hand, you have this. I mean, I'm going to tell you something, man. This dude intimidates me. This dude knows God at a level I only could ever dream of. I mean, he's over here. I'm like, how do you do this? And yet, man, brother, dude, you know the Lord like I can't believe. I get it that you're the man after God's own heart. God took his own heart and put it inside of you, man, because nobody's like this. Nobody writes like this. He writes, God knows every sin I commit. And he's like, and I praise you. We're like, we want to hide. The guy's absolutely amazing. Thank you for spending the last half hour with Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to help you deepen your relationship with Christ no matter where you are in your journey. Teaming with Changed by Love financially makes it possible to reach thousands, many more than you and I could reach on our own. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Please consider a generous gift today. Give safely and securely online at changedbyloveradio.org. You'll find our address there too if you'd rather send a check. You can always reach us by phone at 862-217-9686. It takes a team to encourage thousands. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney. changedbyloveradio.org.